Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. I want every message, everything that we do, to filter through this idea of the finished work of Christ, to filter through the idea that you are safe with God, that he, you are acceptable to Him because of what Jesus did. And you're not trying to live up to His standards. You're not trying to become acceptable to Him through your behavior. What you're trying to do is believe what He's already done in and through you with Christ. Amen. 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 And so the process is to renew your mind, to put on your spiritual eternal identity to the point that it changes the rest of your life. Amen? Amen. And so then we sit in the idea of that by his strength, by in, from his glorious riches, he strengthens us so that we would know his love and ultimately we become whole from knowing his love. So Christianity really is a pursuit of repentance, you know? It is, you need to repent every day, but repentance is to change your mind, to change the way that you think. And more than anything, it's not an exercise in personal development or behavior modification or change or controlling yourself and, grin, you know, just fighting it and just doing the right thing and just obeying God, right? Like obedience is such a huge factor in some facets of Christianity, some denominations or whatever, but what God's after is obedience from the heart. Amen. So what I want to do, to con I want to continually do is tell you who you are in relation to what Jesus has done for you. And then we want to see that filter into every area of life, right? See that filter into our personal behavior. See that filter into our ministries, our jobs, uh, just even our personal relationship with God and in our marriages. Say our marriages. Amen. And if you're not married, that's all right. This message applies to you. You might be married one day. Or it just applies to your relationships in general. But I want to see this idea of... You are the righteousness of Christ in your righteousness of, righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, sir. You are holy and blameless before him in his love. Now, how do I live within that toward these other areas of life? What does it look like in marriage? Because it's weird how sometimes in marriage uh, you're taught that there's God, there's the husband, and there's the wife. Get it in order. You ever been taught that? I'll just side note here. I'm going to tell on them. There's a, I won't name the name, but there's a, a good counselor in town. It's really a network of counselors. New Covenant stuff that they teach, and I'm like, man, praise God, they're teaching identity over there. And I've sent two couples over there, and both couples came back, and the wife said, well, they just told me pretty much that if I would submit to my husband, then everything else would work out okay. And it's like... All right. I mean, I know they're getting that from Ephesians 5. I realize that. However, what does that really look like? I mean, you know, if your husband is a knucklehead, does God want you to submit to a knucklehead? What if your husband is horrible at finances, but you're excellent? Should you submit to him in that? And what does it mean to submit anyway? So that's what I want to look. I want to look at it through this new covenant lens. I want to look at it through relationship and the order that we should bring our household in through what he's done for us. Amen? So we're talking today about 
submit to one another. And all the wives are like, I saw some eyebrows. The wives are like, okay, here we go. See, we've got some messages in here that will cause religious people to leave this church. One of them is when we preach on Job. And we teach you, Job admitted that he was wrong. And he blamed God unjustly. Another one is, you don't have a sin nature. That sends the religious performance-minded people running for the doors with their hair on fire. (laughs) Another one is, God's not holding your sin against you. That your sin doesn't cause God to step further away from you. And another one is, this marriage message right here. Y'all ready? I mean, I'm kind of joking a little bit, but I want to end it with something really practical, but let's just kind of, let's just go through this here. So marriage really ultimately, when you look at marriage, when you, when you look at how Paul taught on it and you look in Ephesians and you look at what he did through uh, Ephesians, you look at what he's doing is he's, first off, he deals with this idea that the, that the Jews were God's chosen people. They were his elect people. And through him, he chose to reveal himself into this earth. And now that is broadened, and that's, that's an invitation also to the Gentiles. So he's building this one new glorious, amazing family in Christ, in whom there is one Lord, one baptism, one spirit, and we're all one body, right? So he paints this beautiful picture of oneness and unity in Christ. And, and it, it hinges on other ideas like kingdom thinking in that there's no more Jew, there's no more Gentile, there's no more male, there's no more female, The kingdom is not about uh, authority one over another. The kingdom is not because I'm the pastor. I have a pastoral authoritative anointing. And if you come under me, then you'll be under the proper covering in the kingdom and and God will be happy with you. Baloney. The Holy Spirit is your covering. I am not your covering. I might be your pastor and you might need to figure out what that means. But more than anything, we are co-equals in the kingdom. I'm doing my role. You're doing your role and we do it together. Amen. No one above the other. So it is in marriage as well. So when we start talking about these, you might need to sort some things out of what it looks like to be kingdom minded in marriage. So when he goes through this, ultimately what he's talking about, he does address proper order and there is that. But more than anything, marriage is a reflection of Christ's relationship with his church. And it should be a way for Jesus' followers to testify of him. So, in other words, they should know that we, are, that we follow him by our love for one another, right? If, you, if a marriage in proper order as a testimony to the world means that there is such love for one another in that marriage that it shows the world those people are Jesus followers. I know in that marriage they follow Jesus because look how they love one another. Now, that doesn't mean they excuse sinful behavior. It doesn't mean that the wife is just really good at obeying in spite of his knuckleheadedness. (laughs) Go ahead and laugh, Kena. (laughs) Get it? Come on, let's hear it. (laughs) He kind of brings his exposition down to this idea. Like, so Ephesians sets up what he's doing. He's taught, he gives the gospel, it's beautiful. And as I said last week, if you weren't here in our Vision Sunday, 
service. Go back and watch that. It'll really set the course for you know what to expect for this year, the years to come. I mean, you look around when the teenagers are here. You know, it's it's there's seats, but it just starts to feel really full. We're probably moving toward two services. We'll make some announcements on that. But the what I meant to say was that Ephesians is kind of a kind of a, a lighthouse for us for this year. I don't really know what all that's going to look like, but I know I feel like God is saying, you know, draw from Ephesians all year long. We'll we'll look at other passages and concepts as well, but there's just something about that book that's going to kind of be our, our mark for the year. So he goes through and he comes down to this idea after, given, after talking about that the Jews were the anointed, they were the elect, they were the chosen, and then through them he revealed himself and now it's, a, it's an invitation to all who will believe. He comes down to Christian living instruction. And you'll see this. If you read Ephesians, you see that the second half of the book is direct instruction for Christians. Don't forget about the first half when you read the second half because obedience should be from the heart, not just outward behavior. So it should be with marriage. All right, so it comes down to this idea from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I mean, it's just saturated with love, saturated with love. And you want a good def- working definition of love, look at 1 Corinthians 13. Maybe that's some of your homework. As you go back over these notes, go into 1 Corinthians 13 and look. So from that, we go here. You ready? This is Ephesians 5. I'm going to start in 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to who? Do you see that? Now, I've listened to a lot of marriage stuff and read books, and you hear certain people teach on certain things. And for some reason, this particular, even in some translations, that verse right there is, there's a, sub, there's a subheading after that verse before the next verses. Does anybody have a Bible with them? You got, you got 9,700 in your pocket, right? But anyway, when you go home and you look at your paper Bibles, look at it. See if there's a, subdiv- a subdivision there, a heading after uh, 21. It's weird. But the whole teaching on marriage starts with submit to one another. Amen. Submit to one another. Verse, I did that on purpose, by the way, because I feel like God said, tell people to start bringing their Bible to church. So I made you feel awkward on purpose. I'm sorry. You can blame it on God. <laughs> Bring your Bible to church, or at least get your phone out. You should see these verses and mark them for yourself. All right, here we go. You still love me? All right, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your... So it's kind of like, that's how the wife submits. Then here's how the husband submits. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. All right, now stay there for just a second. So he gives this description here, which a lot of men have used to beat their wives into submission. I mean, you know, probably not really in this group here. You guys are, you know, pretty love-focused and grace-focused. But I'm telling you, there's some people out there that this is one of the sections when you start to walk them through the gospel, when you start to bring them into an understanding of the finished work of Christ, 
and you find out that they're kind of mean to their wives and that they use this idea, that, well, you just need to obey, you just need to submit. It's like, okay, let's look at what that really means, right? It's because Christ is not looking for your external... He lifts all of the law, all of the external behavior expectation off of you because he fulfills it for you and he boils it down to two things, love God and love people. Now, absolutely, your response to God's love for you should drive transformative godly behavior. Amen? Amen. But it start, how does it start? How does that process start? So... Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How did Christ love his church? Think about it. This next passage really is what goes into it, is what, is what to, tells us how he does it. 1 John 4, 18 and 19. We need have no fear. Say no fear. No fear, no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. Amen. Husbands, you want your wife to obey you? Love her perfectly. If you're going to whip out that scripture, it says, well, my wife needs to submit and obey. Well, then you do too. Love her perfectly. Are you with me? Yep. You're figuring out you probably can't do that by now? <laughs> all right. Just putting this all on the even playing field here, you know. Uh, so his perfect love for us. Now, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us if we are afraid. Now, I'm not trying to say that I'm not really just addressing the fear thing. I'm talking more about sowing and reaping. Fear is just the example here. Uh, all dread of what he might do. If we are afraid is for fear of what he might do to us and shows that we are not fully convinced that he really loves us. If you are not seeing the type of respect out of your wife that you think that you should see and you are expecting her to just hold to her scriptural uh, obligation of obedience and reverence and respect for you, then she doesn't believe that you love her. And it might be because of your actions. Are you with me? Is this too heavy-handed? I just wanted to be clear on all this. So you see, our love for him comes as a result of his loving us first. Husbands, what did you just learn out of that? If you want this respect, if you want this obedience, right? Love first. Love goes first. So let's keep going here because I'm going to comment and maybe soften it up a little bit toward the end. But verse 24 again, now as, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. We submit to Christ as a response of his love for us, right? And what does submission look like anyway? Loving other people, Amen. loving God, allowing his empowerment to develop the fruits within us. So proper submission from a wife to a husband is as a result of his love for her, and his love for her is empowering and life-giving, because if we're, if we're equating it to how Jesus loves the church, how the husband should love the wife, what, how does Jesus love you? He gives you everything. All of his promises are yes and amen. 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 There. 
I don't want to say this, but I feel like it's on my heart to say this. There, there are some relationships. You know, if you have if you have separate bank accounts in your marriage, that's fine. But if it's used as a control tactic where the husband controls the, the, the money and the wife only gets a little bit of allotment after she's been home taking care of the kids and cooking and cleaning all day long, she only gets a little bit of money, she can't do what she wants to do. Jesus gave us all things that pertain unto life and promises. Uh, life and... All of his promises are yes and amen. And that don't mean charge it. You know what I mean? Open up that wallet, son. I got some shopping to do. What am I talking about? Let's keep going here. It's a response, isn't it? Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her... Now, this, this next few phases, depending on what version of Christianity and denomination you've been in, some serious fundamentalists use this as justification to say that the husband is uh, the covering over the wife, like the husband is between the wife and the Holy Spirit, baloney. It's a description of the degree to which Jesus went through for his bride. Okay, are you with me? Do you see the difference? So to make her holy, cleanse. So this is the, the length. He's he's Because husbands, you know, you notice there's not a lot of description for the wife to do. It's like, the husband needs to understand this, right? To make so this is the length to which Jesus went through to love his bride, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water with the uh, washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church. What have you done lately for your wife to cause her to shine when she turns her face toward you? to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. You know, some of us are really good at fault finding. Some of us are really good at going and saying, well, if you do this, then I'll do this. And you need to fix this, and you need to fix this, and you need to fix this, and you need to fix this. That's just not what Jesus does. He cleans us up and then gives us the power to bear the fruit that he expects from us. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen. A lot of times, and this is vice versa. This is men and women, husbands and wives. A lot of times we cut ourselves off from each other and expect them to bear the fruit without giving them the life source that they need. What is up with that? We get hurt and wounded and we withdraw from each other and we withhold from each other and we blame the other one because they're the ones that's doing it. Now, you don't take this and flip-flop it back to say the husband well, I'm living like an idiot. You should just submit and love me in spite of my behavior. No, it don't work that way either. Submit one to another. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. First and foremost, he loved us before we ever even thought about loving him. Amen. There should be a pursuit. <clears throat> Amen? Now, I realize we're talking ideals. We're talking should-be's. I don't like to do a whole lot of should and ought to kind of teaching. It's just really not very effective. But it's like 
There's so many details and intricacies that we could go into. Let's paint the picture broad and I'll let you figure out. Don't judge yourself in this. Don't beat yourself up. But I do want you walking away looking at some areas of, you know, am I going first in love, men? Am I? All right, so if, pull that down for just a second. If the husband does earn the right to be the authority over the wife, as Jesus did, that means Jesus lived perfectly, loved perfectly, did everything that we need to do for us so that we could rest and be accepted before the Father in Him. Are you with me? So there's a process where it's got to be somebody's got to go first. If the husband isn't going first, the wife's got to go first. Love goes first. One of you make the decision, we're going to break this cycle. I've got a couple, I've got so many things I want to go into, but let me finish this passage and then we'll go into some of the practical stuff. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body. Interesting, right? Feeding and care foring. Do we have expectations before we feed and care for? just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Man, I'm telling you, that's a whole sermon right there. Amen. A lot of husbands or wives that are still codependent on their parents is because they are not getting what they need from the other spouse to bring them to that place of wholeness. Now, you can't completely blame that. You can't completely take responsibility on that. But there's, this, this is a codependent statement. If your wife is always running back to your, her mama, you might need to think about some things. What is it that she's getting there that she's not getting out of the marriage? Now, there might be some things that she needs to deal with on her own or he needs to deal with on his own between him and his mama. But what does it look like? It says that you should leave that and cling to one another. Are you with me? Uh-oh. Tell you, you got to love when it comes time to preach a message like this. It gets real quiet. This is a profound mystery. <laughs> He's actually talking about the next thing, but that is kind of funny. <clears throat> uh, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the, and the wife must respect her husband. This is, this is a marriage. This is what it boils down to. All men want to be respected, and all women want to be loved. True. If you're going to love your wife as Christ loved the church, you love her first. Women, if, there's, if you want the type of marriage, if you want the kind of man that is this godly man, show respect. Even when respect isn't deserved, have respect for the covenant that you've entered into. Have respect for who they are in Christ. And sometimes, women, it might take respecting that eternal spiritual aspect of who and what they are before you start to see it in their behavior. Now, that doesn't mean you hang in there and you just let yourself be walked all over and abused and all of that stuff. You know, there's, there's got to be some wisdom where it's like, okay, if this is, if this is not, if this is going to be a destructive, abusive, if this guy's not going to get over this stuff, I'm not going to just sit here and let myself take this for the rest of my life, you know. Now, and those are, I'm not really even advocating for divorce. I'm just saying there's some things that you can't let yourself be the doormat. So submit to one another equals love one another. Amen. 
First and foremost, the wife responds to the love from the husband. Now, I look around. I know what some of you are going through, and, and it's hard to even bring these kinds of things out sometimes because life doesn't always work out, does it? Life doesn't always go the direction we want it to. So you have to look at how this works out for you and your relationships with your, you know, with your, your kids and, and wherever this applies for you. But I wanted to look at, I wanted to hit it kind of hard to look at the idea of, all right, look, am I, do I have a realistic expectation for my wife to just respect me even in the midst of where I am? And what is it that I need to be bringing to the relationship? That's, that's like the biggest question for us to answer. What is it that I need to be bringing to the relationship? What is it that my spouse needs for me to bring to this relationship to mirror this godly relationship between Christ and his church? So I'm going to give you a phys- uh, just a real practical little step here in this, the top five list. Say top five list. Because I know where you are. Your mind is looking at the rest of your life. I'm going to bring you back on center. Top five list. I do this when I do premarital counseling or marriage counseling. If you've ever sat with me, this is one of the things that I'm going to do. I'm going to go through the DISC profile. We're going to look at behavior patterns. And then I'm going to do this. So those of you that are married, try this. This week, it might even take you a month to walk through this process. Those of you that are dating, you're considering getting married. Put, the, put them to this test. Put, you know, uh, walk through this exercise. It's actually a two-fold exercise. I'll tell you what the second exercise is, but we're not going to do it till next week. But the top five list is really simple, and that is you, tell, you make a list for your spouse of the top five things that they do or can do that cause you to respect them or to love them. All right. Does that make sense? So Mike and Tracy here. Mike will take a list, and he will say, <laughs> these are the top five things that make me feel respected. It might be things that she's doing now. It might be things that she's not yet doing. And vice versa, these are the top five things, Mike, that I'd like for you to do that make me feel loved. Now, a lot of you have probably already done this because we've done this in years past. Review the list or make a new list. And then, and then you know what step two is after you make the list? One person. Do it. Say, do it. Now, all the S's and C's are like, well, but they should know what makes me feel loved. I, you mean I have to tell him? Yes, you have to tell him. It's called communication. I don't care if you've been married for 30 years. Tell them. You know what? This really makes me feel special. This really makes me feel loved. I would like for you to do this for me. Now, you know, it's got to be within reason. But I've done this a lot. And not one time have I ever seen a wife walk in with a list that said, I'd like for him to build the Taj Mahal in our backyard. (laughs) In other words, it's pretty easy stuff that's on the list. It's really not that complicated. Things like, I'd like for you to plan dinner once a week. I'd like for you to take care of the cars and I don't have to worry about it. I'd like for you to maybe go grocery shopping without complaining every now and then. I, you know, I don't know. Within reason. That was a joke. Huh? Am I reading your list? I, that, I, that is, yeah, that is where I'm calling it from. That's, that's, my, that's her list. Uh 
It's really just that simple. I mean, if you do have respect and love for your spouse, I try it. Try and engage in this. Pro- I don't care how good it is. Try it anyway. Some of you, you know, life gets in the way. You got kids that you're wrangling. You got school that you're going through. You got jobs where you're not home. Maybe you're coming out of something that's bumpy. You can take the extra step and put this into practice because what you're looking for is you want to love your wife and wife, you want to show respect to your husband. And they will tell you. Now, here's some ground rules. You cannot use this list to beat each other up. You cannot say, if you loved me, then you'll do this. Well, I thought that's what we were doing. No, this is not obedience, right? Does God do that to you? Think about this. This is a reflection of our, of our relationship with Christ, right? So Christ absolutely has expectations for you. There's a lot of things that are in his will, you know, no sexual immorality, no drunkenness, no lasciviousness, all those things that he absolutely expects from you. Is he showing up and saying, you know what, if you love me, you would do this. No, what does he do? He reminds you of his love for you. He gives you his grace. He empowers you. He reminds you. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you about your sin, He's not beating you up and condemning you. There is no condemnation. He's convicting you. There's a difference. Conviction is like this. Hey, you're doing this, but that's not who you are. I've given you more grace than you could ever need to overcome that issue. In fact, you see it with Paul. Paul says, hey, I need you to take this thorn away. He's like, my grace is sufficient for you. That's not a no. That's a solution. That's a call back. That's a, repent, a call to repentance, to go back to choose God's grace. Amen? So this list cannot be if you, then you. It's because you, you should or you will. And so when you look at this list, if you're not very good at the list or you're forgetful, man, I'm telling you, memorize it, tattoo it on your hand, something. But show some effort in this list. Show some effort. Show, you know, after it, it might. Now, some of you are going to do this. Some of you are going to get two or three on the list. And you're going to be like, that's all I want. I'm just, I'm just very easy to please. Try to get five because, trust me, the men need more options. <laughs> are you with me? And it doesn't mean that you got to do all five every day, all day. You know, I don't know what frequency is. I'm not going to try and make some kind of thing up. I'm not going to say, well, you only need to do number two, you know, six times a year. I don't really know what that looks like. You have to figure out what that looks like. But also pay attention. So you're not using this list to beat each other up. You're not using this list to uh, hold something against each other. And you're not sitting back there going, haven't seen number three in a while. (laughs) You got to communicate. So that's what we get to do for each other is communicate and remind each other, hey, and and you know what? Ask. Well, he never brings me flowers. Well, why don't you ask him to get you some flowers? He might remember, oh, yeah, wow, she does like flowers. You know, like we're weird with our communication. We sit back and we judge their behaviors and we don't communicate. We do that to each other all the time. Are you one of those people that when you look at your spouse, you think a nice thought, but you don't say it? Anybody do that? Does anybody do that? Oh, yeah. I do that. 
I mean, I, I don't know that that's necessarily all that bad, but what if when you thought something nice about your spouse, when you're looking them in the face, you just said it? That would be nice. What else, women? That would be nice. Are you with me? It's like, all right, Jesus, before we ever even knew what he did for us, loved us so much that even the risk of us never responding to that love, he did it anyway. If you're doing it to get something, that's not love. That's an expectation. You've got an expectation associated with it. So that's, this is one of those things where you start dealing with what obedience to God looks like when you start working out these practical things in your marriage. Because if you get to this list and you're doing something for whatever you might hope happens that night, check yourself. Now, it's okay to have those desires and it, you know, to want that. That's fine. But if it's like you get disappointed because you perfectly executed the list that day and it didn't work out, that's kind of like saying, well, God, I've given, I've tithed, and I've prayed, and I've gone to church, and I've, I got fired. It's, well, you self-righteous thing, you, you think that all that's what qualified you for the blessing? No. But you see the parallel here? You can teach yourself how to obey God from the heart Amen. by Amen. loving your spouse. Because you, will, you have to learn how to do those things in spite of their behavior, regardless of their behavior. But you find when you commit to love toward your spouse, when you commit to, especially in the area where they're telling you, this is what does it for me, and you do those things because you want to do those things for them, because you have such a sense of love and respect for this spouse, because you honor so much that they've given their life to you, that they've become one with you, you know, just like with what Christ has done for us, and it's a natural expression because you just want them to be blessed. You want to be a blessing in that marriage. It teaches you what obedience from the heart looks like. Amen? Amen. I mean, and it can be a really powerful thing. Because it's not just doing the right thing because you got to do the right thing. Are you challenged yet? Man, I'm telling you, religion misses this. Religion puts <laughs> obedience in the realm of behavior, and when you've executed it externally properly, then you've obeyed God. No, that's not accurate. When it's a fruit of your heart without even thinking about Amen. it, Amen. that's what pleases God Amen. in obedience. Are you with me? You wake up and you go over there and you actually enjoy doing the dishes. What, what, what makes your hands soft? Whatever, you know, find some kind of reason. I'm just leaving some room to think and laugh in here because this is one of those situations. I, and I realize I, there was like no prep. I didn't even tell you what I was going to preach today. I just dove right in. Sometimes it's best to do that because you just rip that Band-Aid off and, and just go for it, you know, and just deal with it. You got something? Question? Just a few clarifications. Yes, okay. All right, clarifications. Here we go. This doesn't have anything to do with my situation. Asking for a friend. Is this a do list or a don't list? 
The don't list is next week. Okay. Okay. Right. This is the do list. There is a don't list. There is a don't list, and I will tell you. And this is where most people don't do the don't list and, and take it seriously. It usually ends up getting offended. I'll do this in marriage counseling. I learned this from my pastor, Jim, and that is uh, you do the do list, give it a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, see how that works, and you figure out if you can give the don't, if you can give the don't list. So the don't list is you're doing really good at these top five that make me feel loved and respected. Now here comes list number two. These are the top five things that you're doing that cause me to not feel loved or respected. So that's a, that's a separate list. If you so tread into that territory, go for it. You'd be surprised. I mean, you got to go into it. Again, that's why you got to take some time to get the first part in order because, you know, it brings a sense. Remember back on 1 John 4, 18, if you're afraid, it's for fear of what he might do to you, and it shows that you're not fully convinced that he really loves you. And so it, it's, it's that give and take, right? You can't give the don't list until you feel safe in the do list, right? And again, I'm telling you, some of you will get into this, and you watch, and you just have to tell yourself, I'm going to let... This is, count, this is contrary to what I think marriage should look like. You are going to think, he should know this. He doesn't. Or he would do it. Or there's something else going on. Now, that's where it gets heavy. Because if you give this list and you don't see it, you might need to set an appointment. I mean, we're just going there today, aren't we, right? You got to give each other time. You got to let the groundwork be laid. You got to put forth the effort. You got to work on it. You've been married however long. It's not just going to change overnight. You work on these things, but if a long extended period of time, and I'm telling you, this is where you go back to that authoritative stance from some men that will say, it doesn't matter what I do. It is spiritually ordained that if you would just obey me as your husband, then everything will be in proper order. That is contrary to how Jesus and Paul teaches us how marriage should even work. If it's about obedience, you don't understand God's expectations of you. You don't understand obedience from the heart. If it's about authority, you don't understand your relationship with Jesus. You don't understand that God, that Jesus no longer calls you servants, but calls you friends. Amen. Are you with me? Some of you will default back to that. I shouldn't have to do all this. This is just God ordained it for you to obey me. All right. How's that working for you? <laughs> You'd be surprised. And some of these marriages that I've sent over for different places and have come back and said, well, they just told me that if I would obey my husband, then everything would work out because God, if I obey him and he obeys God, then everything's going to work out. Yeah, but you're forgetting the relationship. You're forgetting that that he died for us. You're forgetting that self-sacrificial love going first. And this is honestly, this is one of those areas where it starts to show how we see who God is, right? How we see the kind of relationship that we are in with him. So yes, there is a don't list. I don't recommend the don't list this week. <laughs> try the do list, right? I'll remind you of the don't list next week, but let's try the do list and work for it. Will you do it? This doesn't naturally flow out of me like the gospel stuff does, but I know it's incredibly helpful, and it also helps us learn 
and be more rooted and grounded in what our relationship with God really looks like, that it is relationship-based, that it is a response to his love for us, that he has done everything that's required of us to gain eternal life. And if we live within that, and if we properly respond to that, it, it, we will behave in a way that is pleasing to him. But if you don't behave in a way that is pleasing to him, he doesn't reject you or throw you away. What he does is he just continues to love you more. He continues to give you grace. He continues to not condemn him. It's a model of what marriage can look like. Even to the point of, of rejection, he's willing to take that risk. And if that rejection comes, he's got nothing else to give. Uh, again, in a marriage, that's a hard place because if there's a codependency, you let that abuse and you let that failure continue to linger, there's got to be a point. Now, I'm not going to try to make a definitive statement about that right here, but that's something that's got to be dealt with at some point. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. Uh, we thank you for the gift of marriage. We thank you for that spiritual union that happens we thank you for that, just, just the miracle that you created from the very beginning. You created humankind, and you set us loose on this planet. You gave us dominion on this planet. And, and we engage in marriage and just reflect your seed over and over and over in this earth. You know, I, I'm going to stop in the middle of my prayer, but I was talking to somebody this week, and it's like, what, what a miracle that that uh, reproduction is, that marriage is, that birth is, that God does, you know? Like, I think a lot of times we're looking for mysticism, we're looking for phenomenal experiences. For some reason, we get really excited when we hear God as if he's not always talking, but we overlook things like there are humans growing inside of other humans. <laughs> That is incredible. I mean, think about that. That is, if you've ever witnessed a birth, this is the biggest miracle you could ever see. I mean, it's incredible. I want us to value life. I want us to value this thing that God put in motion. You know, it, it, it's from day one, from second one, that, it's a life. Amen. And marriage and this relationship reflects that. I mean, it's like, instead of saying my baby's one, it, we should say my baby's one in nine months because it started nine months prior. Amen. 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 So, Father, we thank you for the gift of life. We want to cherish it. Yes. We, we don't want to beat people up, but we want to show people your love for them, your value for humankind. Father, we, we, com we are committed to our marriages being a reflection of your love for us, our love for one another, and a testimony that we follow you because of our love for one another. We trust you, we love you, and we thank you for the salvation that you've given us in Christ's name.